0: Before the sermon, there's a few things I want to share with you. Uh, first of all, I want to introduce you. We, we introduced Wayne as one of our newest members, a new brother in Christ. I want to introduce you to another one of our new family members. Uh, Rachel Freeman is here. And Rachel, you want to raise your hand or you can, you're right there. This is Rachel. And um, Rachel was telling me how much she appreciated the women's retreat and that she's made new friends there and what a blessing that was to her which I will encourage the men. April 1st and 2nd is the men's retreat, and uh, there are brochures in the foyer, and you can sign up online for the men's retreat. There's more information in your bulletin. Uh, You'll also see Rachel's contact information in the bulletin today as well. During the communion, Bob talked about those mixed feelings, and we had some of those mixed feelings this last week. A couple of weeks ago, I introduced you to Evan and Danielle Saxton, who were here to talk to us about the campus ministry. And uh, we were really happy to meet them, but disappointed when they said that they had taken a position in Kentucky at the campus ministry there. And my heart is encouraged that good people like them are in ministry for the sake of the kingdom. And I want to see them do everything that they can in God's name, but I'm disappointed that they can't be here. Evan wrote this message to share with us. Here's, here's part of their message. This is actually from both of them. They said, thank you for the kindness you have shown us and thank you for your passion for campus ministry that you shared with us. Your campus ministry has an outstanding support structure and we've been privileged to see that. Thank you for letting us take a part in envisioning that future." For that ministry with you. We now share with you in hope and confidence. That the Lord will build on the good work. That he is doing there. It has been a gift to see. How the Lord is at work in your corner of the kingdom. And to come to know all of you in the process. May God bless you. We've said from the start. That God will provide us. With the, the minister. With the family. Who can, who can help us in the ministry that we need to be doing to reach out to college students and college-age people. And one of the uh, shepherds, uh, Ted Knight, along with Barry Owen, make up the the elders who are responsible for this search process. So we're still in the search, but we are still faithful that God will provide. And I think it's very appropriate that we ask the Lord to provide. So I'm going to ask Ted Knight if he would come and lead us in a prayer. Petitioning the Lord for
1: His provision. If I might ask, also that this is something that we, as uh, the eldership here, we are constantly in prayer about this, and of course a lot of other things. But this is one of the things that is on our list to pray for uh, daily, and we would ask that you would do that too. Uh, let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers. We thank you, Father, for all the many incredible material and spiritual blessings that you give us, Father. The, the The spiritual blessings are sometimes things we don't even grasp at this time, but we know that they all come through the blood of your Son Jesus Christ, and we're so thankful for that, Father. We pray your special blessings today upon the lines for Christ ministry. We pray, Father, for each member of that group. And, Father, we pray that uh, as they are in a time of their lives when they're looking for things or searching for things or searching themselves, we just pray, Father, that you would help them develop a deep faith and trust in you through their belief in Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would be with us that you would help us to create an atmosphere where they can freely do this. We pray, Father, that you will help us guide and direct them in their efforts to find Jesus and to, find, uh, and to put you in their lives. Father, we pray for patience in this. Sometimes we become anxious. Sometimes we become impatient, Father, when things don't happen the way that we think they should or when they should. And, Father, we pray for your comfort in these times. We pray, Father, that you will help us to more deeply understand that your timetable is the one that's important, not ours. And, Father, we pray that you would help us, uh, even in our disappointments, help us to ask that you bless Evan and Danielle. We just pray that you would be with them, Father. They're such a fine couple. And Father, we pray that you would be with them in their efforts and in their ministry at the University of Kentucky. We pray, Father, that you would help them to be a part of the kingdom in such a way that they will bring glory and honor to your name. And Father, we pray that you would continue to be with us as we continue our search. And Father, we know that you've already picked out who is appropriate for this position who is going to bless our students, and and who we are going to bless. And, Father, we just pray that you would continue to be with us, help us to search out and find this person that you know is the one person that we need in this ministry here. We pray, Father, your continued blessings upon this ministry, and we pray, Father, for those uh, in this congregation We pray that we would lend our help and our support and our encouragement to the students that are involved in that, to Chris as he helps them during this time of transition. And we just pray, Father, that you would help us to be the kind of family that you want us to be. We pray, Father, that you would forgive us at the times that we have our own agendas, that we are impatient. And, Father, that we want things done in our time and not yours. We just pray that you would help us to encourage one another and to continue to encourage these students. And we pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. I'm going to preach now. Why don't you find Ephesians chapter 3. Because that's where the sermon comes from today. I, I believe, well I've heard, that it was Abraham Lincoln who said that a man who is his own lawyer has a fool for a client. So I'm going to believe that it was Thomas Edison who said a man who is his own electrician is a cheapskate. And time will tell if he is a fool or a crispy critter. I, I do most of my own electrical work, I'm going to tell you that. Um, you can put that on my tombstone if it all goes bad. Because I, I'm not afraid of it. I've never been afraid of dealing with the primordial forces of nature in that way. And I'll tell you why. Because I know where the breaker box is. I know that as long as I've shut that breaker off or I've taken that fuse out, I can string wires and I can connect wires and I can set up hardware and switches and lights all day long. And I'll tell you this, I never get it wrong. Of course, that doesn't mean I get it right either. Because as long as that breaker switch is off, or as long as that fuse is out, anything I do is okay. It's going to be all connected together, strung together. It's not going to work. But it's not wrong, and yet it's not right. It's when you go back and you put that fuse in or you switch that breaker, and then electricity judges your work. But... As long as that's off, and as long as there's no power running through it, it really doesn't matter. And here's the lesson. The lesson is this, that here we are, halfway through the book of Ephesians, and Paul has been talking all about God's plan, and the power of God, the plan that was set up from the beginning, and Next Sunday, Lord willing, we're going to start the second half of Ephesians. And there's going to be commands, instructions, like you haven't heard in the last three or four weeks. It's going to be do this, do that, do this, do this. Put it together. Here's how you do it. I insist that you do that. You're going to hear it over and over again. And it's going to be real easy to focus on all of those do this and do that and then just forget about all of this cosmic plan stuff. And what I'm saying to you is don't forget it. Make the connection. Because all of the commands and all of the activities of Christianity, if we're not plugged into the power source, we won't get it wrong but we're not necessarily getting it right. Do you see what I mean? You get it? We've come to love this verse. Brent mentioned it today in his prayer. We've come to love this verse around here, and I, I, think, that's, I think that's important. It's the end of chapter three, it goes into the instructions that begin in chapter four. This is the connector, this is the breaker box. Between all of that big vision, plan of God, Holy Spirit, empowerment, and all of the things that you and I are supposed to be doing to live out the Christian life. But this verse has inspired us, and what I'd like to do this morning is work backwards from this verse to look into chapter 3 especially, and I want you to appreciate this scripture even more than we do now, if that's possible there's some key words in here notice 20 and 21 it's kind of a a, a hymn of praise that that paul writes down to the one who is able to do beyond all measure whatever we ask or imagine by the power working in us to him honor in the church and in christ jesus for all generations forever and ever amen Those key words, do you see them there? I'll go ahead and point them out here. Able and power, it's the same word. I know it looks different in English, but it's the same word. That word for power. And then this idea of God's power being beyond all measure. And all through these first three chapters, this word for working has shown up in one form or another. Let's take a look at those. When it comes to power, In chapter 3, just in chapter 3, this idea of power in the sense of ability has been mentioned at least three times. In verse 7, he says that um, he has been given the gift of the grace of God. It was given to him by the working of his power. In, In verse 16, He prays, he hopes that God will give to them the access to Christ's glory so that through power we may be, they may be strengthened. This ability to do, it's a power. And that's that's what it's talking about there. It's a power. It's the ability to do things, and it is given by God. That's part of the big plan. Part of God's great plan that went into motion before creation, before you and I ever showed up here, God had this plan to give us ability, to entrust us, to empower us. And without God, and I want you to keep this in mind for the next few weeks, without God, you and I are doing a sort of will worship. We are, we are doing white-knuckle Christianity, meaning that we force ourselves through actions, through activities. We keep habits. I've got to go to church. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to say my prayers. We just keep doing those things, but we really don't change our lifestyle. When we were going on our vacation um, right before the Christmas break, We drove past this semi-truck and on the back of it, and I wish I had a picture to show it to you, there's a picture of a person's face and it says, did you pray today? And it's the creepiest looking picture you'll ever see, scaring you into the habit of prayer. You had better say your prayers today, is what the little image had to say. Well, that's a kind of a white-knuckle Christianity that just says, you know, we got to do this, we got to do this. And you'll be just like me, stringing lights, connecting switches, connecting outlets. But if there's not the power of God behind it, where do you get the ability to really do anything? You'll be depending on your own reserve of power. And that's going to be limited. It's going to run out. The good news of God is, is that in His plan, you and I are empowered We are given the ability. Paul was given the ability. And by the way, to make Paul so exceptional that he somehow has a different level of Christianity, Paul says nothing of the sort in Ephesians. He says that the same God who gives him the ability to be a responsible steward of the mysteries of Christ is the same God that gives you and I the power and the ability to do because it's the same God working in all of this. All the way back in chapter 1 and I've got the verses up there. 111, 119 through 20, 37, 320. You can write them down, you look them up, and I want to encourage you. You see that God is working. Good English translation would be he's energizing. Sometimes it says that he's operating. God is the one who's making all of this happen he's at work in all things he will also say that he is at work in christ the plan has been revealed the plan has been made known because god is working this plan through christ and everything that god was working for up to christ is fulfilled in christ and now it continues to work through christ but guess what it also shows up in the church So that when you and I are doing things, when we're doing the things that we know are good to do, when we're doing the things that we believe should be part of the mission, we are God's operation. We are doing the works that he has prepared for us to do. He is at work in us. And my question to you is this. Listen to this question because it's very important. It's going to be the one that makes the big difference between what these three chapters have meant and what the upcoming three chapters have meant. Do we believe that God really works in us? Do you trust that God can work and will work and does work in you? We need to have an answer for that question. Because otherwise we're going to spin our wheels in a lot of activity or we're going to burn ourselves out in a lot of good activity. It may even be the best we can do. But if we're not connected to the real power, if we don't trust in and believe in a power that's greater than our ability to do something, then we're going to face limits. We're going to face limits and those limits are going to disappoint us. Often Satan's scheme is not to get you to doubt in God's ability, but to get you to ignore God's ability. To force you and I to rely on our own ability, whether as individuals or as the church. And we've got to realize that what's being talk, spoken of, written about, preached, what's being preached here is that there is a power that is without limits. The decision that you and I make, both as individuals and the decisions that we make as a church to trust in God, and this has to do with our identity and it has to do with the things that we will spend our time with. That decision to trust in God and to focus on His empowerment rather than our own ability or our own inabilities, that's critical. Because on the one hand, you have your individual ability and that's limited. Or you have the combined ability of the church. And we often commend this church for the things that this church accomplishes. And that's commendable. It is commendable. It's good. But even that is limited. Now I ask you, what happens when we as individuals and as a, as a community of believers what happens when we start to truly trust in the one whose power is without limits are we ready for that are we ready to put that fuse in are we ready to turn that breaker switch when god is without limits we see that there is a strengthening you see that in verse 16 there's a strengthening he speaks of that when God gives us power, it's the ability to be strengthened in our inner self. But he also prays for all of them that they'll have the ability to grasp the fullness of God. Did you notice verse 18 there? Verse 18 says, his prayer is that we might be strengthened to be able to grasp with all the saints how wide, how long, how high, how deep. How to know the surpassing knowledge of the love of Christ. It is without limits. So, verse 19 God's, one way, the best way I can translate that is God's love, His grace. It's off the charts. That's what beyond measure means. My father had some old cars when I was growing up, he had an old Volkswagen. Not these new things that are actual cars. I'm talking about the kind that are a lawnmower with a bubble around it, right? And, and we used to go everywhere in that Volkswagen. And the speedometer on a Volkswagen, I mean, when they invented these things, they didn't plan on them going very fast. So I think they stopped somewhere around 80, 80 is like the midpoint of my speedometer now on my car. You have numbers on your speedometer that you will never reach. And even and you won't be able to reach them, and if you do, you shouldn't. Okay? Don't do it. But my father told me that those old speedometers, oh, you could reach them. And you could make that needle go beyond the number. Especially if you were going downhill. And I always wondered as a child, what happens if that needle goes past the 80? Does the needle come back around, and then do you start getting slower and slower? I can see where Einstein got his start. And so, you know, how, what, what actually happens? Do you break the speedometer? Paul is saying that we've got to change our measuring instruments when it comes to God. And when it comes to God, we're gonna He uses two words in this passage. The first word is a word that says it's, it's it's the idea of breaking the records. You're gonna go beyond the mark. It goes beyond the ordinary expectations. That's that word that gets translated surpassing. And the other word is it's not possible to measure this. You know, we think we have big numbers. And if you've ever seen the the scales of measurement that go larger and larger, I'm convinced there's a certain point when you start adding so many zeros to a one that you just give up, okay? I don't care how scientific you are. At some point, it's like, this doesn't make sense anymore. But the largest number we can conceive of, you still can't measure God and all of the dimensions that we have to measure, you're still not getting close to measuring God. Now, that all sounds great. And that sounds like, uh, you know, okay, that, that's good preaching. We get it. God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing that God cannot do. Bum, bum, you know, however that goes. You know, clap, clap, okay. But I'm not going to tell you to clap. But anyway, the... Uh, There's all those things that are are great and powerful. But this is real, church. This is real time, real life. And you and I are going to be faced with decisions. Do we believe that God really can empower us? Paul is praying that we will grasp some measure of the immeasurable. He's asking a lot from us but he's asking he's insisting on it why what does it matter well just like that electrical work that's going to get hooked up to power it has a purpose god is giving us ability he is strengthening us strengthening us in our inner person calling upon all of us to grasp his power because there's a purpose Paul says that this became known to him because he was given a responsibility, like a a household manager, like the the manager of, um, of a family trust. He was given the responsibility to be a steward, and I know that's an old term that we don't really use anymore, but it means he's a manager, it means he's entrusted with. It's more than a manager means that he has a trust. He was given the responsibility of, of stewarding the grace of God. And he talks about the mystery. And this isn't a mystery that's hidden. This is a mystery that's been revealed. This is a mystery that's been made known in Christ. You see that in verse 2. When he introduces himself, he names himself as a prisoner on their behalf He's been thrown. Now get this. You talk about limits. Prison is a very limiting experience. That's the whole point behind prison. You are behind bars. You are caged. You are detained. And yet here is Paul who's been thrown into prison because he is responsible with sharing the good news to Gentiles. And yet he says, I... If you've heard about it, he says, I am the steward of the grace of God. That which has been given to me for your sake. It was revealed, it was made known, the mystery of God. And then when you look at verse 9, look look at verse 9. Why is it given? So that, so that he can shine a light. Shine a light against those powers. And he talks about the rulers and the authorities. He's not just talking about government entities. He's speaking to a people who have a belief that there are powers that exist in the world, that exist in the universe. You and I are maybe more scientific than that, maybe a little more enlightened. But I tell you, If you don't think that there's powers at work, and you don't even have to, you don't have to delve into the supernatural, how many of us are affected by the economy? You know you are. We've held up plans in this church. We're even worried about this building program because we have to think about the economy. What is the economy? We treat it like it's some sort of force with a mind of its own. We know that we're in a political season and we worry about the politics. What are the politics of our country? We're worried about what it's going to do. We're worried about how it's going to affect the economy. You don't think that you and I are subject to rulers and authorities and powers that are bigger than us, that affect us? We are. And we need to stop and recognize it. And that's when we need to take a turn and realize that there is another force, there is another power, our God, who is without measure, who is without limit. And if he is working in us, then no other power will be able to withstand that work. We can shine a light, in fact. So don't worry about what the future is going to be like. I know that some of us worry I'll admit that I do sometimes we worry about what's going to happen when when November comes along We worry that the future of our nation is somehow up for grabs Church, this is our chance to shine a light To show that the mystery of christ has been revealed and that's the reality of the world. It's god's big plan It's been it's been opened up It's been shared Now this is going to matter This is going to matter in the everyday stuff. Because the decisions that you and I make every day have to do with that big plan. And it's not hidden anymore. And like anything, when you come to know about it, you have a responsibility. You've heard the term plausible deniability. And that sounds like a mouthful. It's a political move. It says, if we don't tell you The truth, if we don't tell you what we know, then you are no longer responsible for what you know. You can just say, I don't know. But once you know the truth, you've become responsible. I want to say this to all of you here today because I know I've preached it. You're responsible. You're responsible because you know the mysteries of Christ. You know God's big plan. You may be thinking to yourself, wait a second, I'm not so sure that I know it. There's a lot of it I don't understand. Yeah. There's a lot of it I don't understand too. But I know enough to know that there's something big going on and God's behind it. I know enough to know that those mysteries are the truth and that the powers that pretend to be the truth, they're undone. And so I have a responsibility to share the light. It's why I do what I do. Because knowing this truth, I can't do anything else. Now, I don't know what your responsibility is going to be based on what you know. But I'm going to pray that God reveals that to you. And I want you to not be afraid that God will reveal it to this church. I wonder if our prayers could look like the prayer that Paul prays at the end of this chapter. Listen to this prayer and ask yourself, what do we pray for? What do we typically pray for? Listen to this prayer. I pray that he, that God, may bestow on you by the riches of his glory the power to grow strong through his spirit in your inner person and for Christ to dwell in your hearts through trust Having been rooted and firmly grounded in love, I pray that you might be capable of realizing, along with all the saints, the full width, length, height, and depth, the -the off-the-chart knowledge of the love of Christ, and so be filled with all the greatness of God, Do our prayers look anything like that? If your answer is yes, then thank you. We need more prayers like that. If your answer is, I'm not so sure, then start praying it. That ought to be our prayer for West Ark. That ought to be our prayer for this church family. Because after all, when you consider how limitless, how off the charts... The power of God is the one who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can think or imagine. Why on earth would we pray tiny little prayers that let God off the hook? That say things like, God, if you can do something about this, it'd be mighty fine. But truth be told, we don't expect you to do anything, and we really don't think things are going to change. But we're praying because it sounds nice, and it's very pious, and we want you to know that we're praying at least. We'll just go on our way here. No, I know our prayers don't ever sound like that. But he's talking about strengthening us inside. Inside do our prayers ever come to that. You know, one of the, one of the most disappointing things we can do is to say no to God deep in here because, honestly, we, we don't, we don't want to be caught up in that plan. It's, it has responsibility to it. But what do you want? Do you want a whole system of wiring in your spiritual house that if you flip the switch it does nothing because there's no power behind it? Do you want to be without light? Do you want to be without power? Is that really what we want? And nobody's going to admire all the work that we've done if it really doesn't mean anything. We're going to start, Lord willing, next week seeing the kind of life that God wants us to live. But you and I have got to know the power that's behind it. And I pray that you and I will be capable of realizing just how full and vast and off the charts the knowledge of the love of Christ is. I pray that we will be filled to the brim, filled to the breaking point with all the greatness of God Because as great as you can be, and you are some good people, and as great as this church can be, and this is a good church, how much greater still will it be when it's the greatness of God bursting forth in our life together? Oh man, I want to see that, don't you? I want to experience that, and I hope you do too. If today you need to put your trust in the power of God, we're going to make this opportunity available. Paul said that he prayed to God, that he he bent his knee. That meant he worshipped. And so we're going to pray. This song says, On bended knee I come, with a humble heart I come, bowing down before your holy throne. Let this song be our prayer to God, and let's come to Him and pray for one another. And by the way, if there's any of you who want a shepherd to pray with you, they're going to be in room 100. They're going to be right down here. Let's stand. Let's sing this song. Let it be our prayer to God.